This is Corolla Digital. Hey, you guys, it's me, Allison. I just want to say thank you so much for listening. If you like what you're hearing, which, let's face it, you do, tell a friend. You can listen to us all sorts of places. A couple of them would be iTunes or AllisonRosen.com. Hello, my little honey-baked hams. It's me, Allison. Before the show officially starts, we have time for me to talk to you for a moment. Hello, everyone, and hello, Gary. Hello, Allison. How's it going? Just fine. How are you? Good. And you've probably noticed my theme of holiday foods that I'm calling people. I have noticed that. Honey baked ham is one of my favorites. It's pretty good, right? It really is. All right. Honey baked ham or turkey? Which do you choose? Oh, honey baked ham all the way. Yeah. Yeah. Do, think... do you go for the sugary crust or for the hammy center? Yes, I do. <laughs> That's the perfect answer. And I'm sorry, but a honey baked ham sandwich is far superior to a turkey sandwich, so you're better in the leftovers department, too. It's true. It really is. But would you be okay going sans turkey for the whole season? Yes, I would. Really? I've never had Bold. a uh, I've, I've never had a, a deep fried turkey, but I'm so I reserve judgment until after trying that. But. I know that just came up for the re- the regular listeners would know that just came up on the Thursday episode. My sense of um, deep fried turkey has always just been that it would just be like greasy turkey. Yeah, I thought that at first too, or like uh, fried chicken, but. Everyone that tries it that I know raves. So It just seems like a stunt, a dangerous sort of outdoor boiling oil stunt. Yeah, I don't know if I've said before, but somebody on my parents' street like set their roof on fire a couple of years ago. Really? It. Yeah, they dropped it in the deep fryer, still frozen. <laughs> it's not uh What happens then? It just gets all fizzy and... I guess like it was. it's just dropping a frozen rock into hot oil and it just all started spraying up and it hit the shingles and then there was the fire department. Jeez. Yeah. What a way to ring in the holidays. Things to be thankful for. I think we have an iTunes comment of the week. Allison wants your iTunes comments. Allison wants them. Yes, she does. Please leave her some iTunes comments and don't forget to click five stars. This week's iTunes comment of the week comes from Derek Sturdevant, I think, and it's titled, Like the Sister I Never Had. Allison's interview style is absolutely amazing, and she puts guests at ease, and they open up completely. I'm a huge fan of the Adam Carolla show, and love the dynamic that Allison brings to the table there. Was brings to the table there. There was an episode where she was absent, and her absence really seemed palpable. I really enjoy Allison Rosen as your new best friend because it makes me feel like I am really part of the show and not just a mere listener. I also really enjoy the new format. The Thursday shows really stand out because it gives you a glimpse into the lives of not just Allison but the rest of the Corolla Digital staff as well. It takes a lot of effort sometimes to stifle the laughter while listening through headphones while at work. Keep up the great work, not just Allison, but the rest of the Rosenettes as well. If I had a sister, I would want her to be like Allison. P.S. I love butter sandwiches, and I love my carpet. <laughs> Derek, thank you so much for your comment. Um, I love the Rosenettes. That is awfully cute. Uh, if you would like your comment to be an iTunes comment of the week, just leave us a nice comment. Click five stars, and uh, perhaps we'll read it on the show. Okay, I want to tell you guys about Hulu Plus. Certainly you know Hulu. Well, Hulu Plus is even more fantasticer. With Hulu Plus, you can watch your favorite shows anytime, anywhere. You can watch thousands of hit TV shows and movies in your living room or on the go with your smartphone or tablet. And this time of year, I think you'll agree that you find yourself in a lot, a lot, a lot of situations where you're bored or perhaps you just want to make time pass more quickly. I'm thinking specifically of, of waiting in line at a store uh, and you instead of just 
counting um, ugly sweaters. Well, that actually sounds like a fun idea. Instead of counting the minutes passing by, you can be engrossed in your favorite show. But also, you might be surrounded by family and you might want to just tune out by watching something like New Girl, Once Upon a Time, Dancing with the Stars, or Scandal on your smartphone or tablet. Uh, Those are just a few of the many shows they have. They also have The Good Wife, Law & Order, SVU, Desperate Housewives, Grey's Anatomy. I could go on, truly. This is just a fraction of the bazillion that they have. Uh, you can also check out exclusive content, including Hulu originals like The Wrong Man's and Behind the Mask, Hulu's new docu-series that takes you inside the world of sports mascots, uh, and also ad-free movies and kids content. For only $7.99 a month, catch up on current shows, binge on old favorites, or catch a great movie, stream as many TV shows and movies as you want, wherever you want. And right now, you guys can try Hulu Plus free for two weeks when you go to HuluPlus.com forward slash Allison. There's a special offer for my listeners, so go to HuluPlus.com dot com forward slash Allison so you get the extended free trial and they'll know that we sent you and then they'll say hey we want to be in the Allison Rosen is your new best friend business business that's the business Allison Rosen is your new best friend so go to huluplus.com forward slash Allison right now for your extended two week free trial or click through the banner on my website um, and then also if you want to binge watch a show with me and the Rosenettes I just use that in casual conversation with you guys. I don't know if I'm going to stick with it or not. Uh, But uh, just tweet me and hashtag. What are we having them hashtag? Binge watch? Binge watch with Allison? Really, just hashtag something. It could be anything. Um, But let me know what you're watching, and then I'll watch it with you. Or I'll let you know what I'm watching. For example, I'm watching The Blacklist, even though bumped by her wig every friggin' time I watch. Okay. Also... Around this time of year, you're probably thinking, so many people, just like that, you're thinking, just like that, so many people I need to buy gifts for. What to get the person who has everything, or maybe doesn't even have everything, but needs something. You know what that person needs? I have a gift idea for you. It is the no-no. This is a pain-free, effective and even fun hair removal device that is safe to use on your body and your face. No pulling, tearing, or scraping. Just a slow, smooth glide. It's a very small little device. It's got this little cool LED readout. So as you do it, based on how it lights up, you can tell whether you are doing it correctly or not. Hence the fun. Uh, and when I received my no-no, I was afraid to use it because I thought hair removal from this thing that could be painful. They're telling me that it's painless, but that could be painful, and I'm a wimp, and I don't want to experience pain of the hair removal sort. But I conquered my fears, and I did it. And not only was it, uh-oh, I'm trapped in a sentence that I can't find my way out of. What I'm trying to say is, it wasn't like, oh, I can tolerate this. It was, I actually didn't feel it at all. Truly. No feeling it at all. That's how pain-free it is. So you get weeks of long-lasting results, professional, professional results at home. Uh, men and women can use it. Works on all skin types, all hair colors, and it uses a patented Thermacon technology to remove and treat hair for weeks. So you guys can take advantage of this exclusive offer. Go to nonobestfriend.com or call 800-508-4815. Once again, that's nonobestfriend.com or 800-508-4815 to get an exclusive offer from my listeners. That's you guys. And this is what you get. You get the no-no device. You get an exclusive facial kit so you can use it on your body and your face. Uh, You get a travel case, snazzy travel case. I can attest firsthand to the snazziness of said travel case. $100 discount shopping card and the entire purchase is backed 
backed by their triple guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, they'll refund the purchase price, refund the shipping, and even pay for you to ship it back to them. You won't risk a penny. So try no-no. Terms and conditions may apply. Okay, here is the episode with Jim O'Hare. Um, frankly, I'm in love with him. I think Gary is too. Nicest guy ever. Like, I was so excited to have him on and far exceeded expectations. I know. Just he, from the, the most moment, pleasant person ever. From the moment... I met him in the studio because what happened is we we had we were we were recording two shows back to back and the first one and Jim was the second and the first one went a little bit late and I was I felt really bad I felt like he would have every right to be a little bit put out by the fact that he had to wait a little bit to get in here but instead he was like the like his presence is a warm hug I went out before we finished just to like let him know like hey we feel really bad we'll be done soon and he was like are you kidding me this is like a playground I'm looking at the cars I'm having a great time you take your time it was, he was just so nice. Yeah. Great so guy. So nice. Really funny. Yeah. Pretty much in love. I saw you whip out your phone during the show and take a little photo, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Had to. That's how you know. Jerry Gergich. <laughs> so here's the episode with Jim O'Hare from Parks and Rec. Do you say Parks and Rec or Parks and Recreation? I don't know which one I want to go with. You know, I say both. I, I had a problem with Parks and Rec for a minute, but everyone who's on that show says it. So I'm okay with it. All right. Here he is, Jim O'Hare. You'll love him. I love him. And I love you guys. Here we go. Allison Rosen. Allison Rosen is your new best friend. Allison, Allison. With her good times never end. Allison Rosen. Doing the wavy pencil dance again. Allison Rosen. Allison's your new best friend. Hey, everyone. Hi. Hello. It is me, Allison Rosen, and I am sitting here with Jim O'Hare, who you know as Jerry from Parks and Rec. Hello. Welcome. Hey, Allison. How are you? I'm good. Now, you told me that you just butt-dialed your sister. I literally... I, I, kept, I thought it was you, because I, I, I just got here, and my headphones were sitting... They weren't on my head, and I uh-huh. keep hearing, hello, hello. I'm thinking... So I put the headphones up. I'm like, <laughs> okay, I hear nothing. Something... And then I realize it's my crazy sister. Yeah, yeah. So she'll be a little uh, concerned. Hmm. But, hey, you know, keep him concerned. That's right. Keep him concerned. Keep, keep him concerned. Yeah, let keep her think guessing. something tragic happened. I was calling for my last words to be, I love. <laughs> and then that was it. Never to be heard from again. It's actually funny how often we just accept that someone butt dialed us. Like, it's ne- I never assume, oh, something's wrong and that's why my mom is calling me but not saying anything. I just assume that her phone's in her purse, she's driving, and she has no idea that, like, two minutes of my voicemail just got taken up by the sound of rustling. Exactly. Uh, except I'm better now, but before, if I was talking to someone and I knew they were driving and then got cut off, I had them dead. Oh. I had them in a horrible car accident. I was the last phone call they made. But I'm over that now because it happens so often. Did you – now, but would you, like, call them back to make sure they were okay? Or yes, you just immediately. wrote them and, off in and, your mind? And then if I didn't get them, I'm like, well, that's a Christmas gift I don't have to get. Yeah. <laughs> whatever I can <laughs> I'm, – I'm sort of nutty. Like, I can go from A to Z in seconds. Is it us- is Z usually a worst case scenario? The worst case scenario. Oh yeah. When I was young, I had my parent. If my parents said, "Yeah, now kids will be home at ten by ten fifteen, I'm an orphan, being raised by grandparents." I mean, I had it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was just. Where do you think that comes from? I I totally relate to that. Yeah, it's weird. I, uh, boy, I don't know where it came from because I really was never left alone. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I didn't have a lot of abandonment um, right. that I'm aware of. Uh, but I, it's just always been part of me, and and to this day, kind of, mm-hmm. I'm better, definitely better. 
But though, if someone like someone I know who's always on time, if she's late, I'm like, okay, well, something absolutely horrible has happened. Rather than she's sitting on the 101, mm-hmm. or what is the most common occurrence? But right. no, I have them dead. Have you ever yeah. been right? Not that someone's died, but I mean, have has yes. your anxiety been borne out? Hang- yeah, not often, but over the years, yeah, I've been right. Nothing too tragic, but accidents, car accidents, mm-hmm. stuff like that. But nothing, nothing too terrible. Yeah. What were your parents like growing up? Um, they were great, you know, and they were, um, they were, maybe it's cause they were always there that when they weren't, it was odd. Uh, I was kind of a good kid. So there was, you know, I don't know. I actually, I was one of those guys when it came time to leave the house, I was like, I'm having a great time here. Like <laughs> I, I never had that. Oh my God, I'm 18. I, I you know, or, you know, go, go to college, come home and I'm getting the hell out of here. Mm-hmm. I don't think I left till I was 24. I mean, did school. Came back, and even then, it was more just because I was doing theater in Chicago, and it was just more of a pain in the ass living in the suburbs. Yeah. Because we really had a lot of laughs, so it was you know there was none of this you know be home at eleven o'clock. I mean, they realized once we were adults, we were adults. And you, so you grew up in the suburbs of Chicago, suburb called Lansing, Illinois. Yeah, twenty eight thousand people. What's it like? Big old Lansing, small town, totally small. It's totally changed. Every time I go there, I do a tour of my old stomping grounds. There's boarded up homes and just sad, mm-hmm. you know, but I know that's what happens. But uh, it was a good place to be raised at the time. Yeah, really good place. And you have your sister who's older or younger? I have an older and a younger. We go, um, my parents just couldn't keep their hands off each other. We have three, we have actually my brother and sister are Irish twins, mm-hmm. so they're less than a year apart. And then I came in 16 months later, and then my uh, sister's four years, so they took a little break. And then, totally unrelated, Years later, when my dad was dying, um, he was at Rush Hospital in Chicago, which is this teaching hospital. Awesome hospital, but you have to repeat a lot of stuff because the students are coming in and out. And my mom, you know, was heartbroken, and it was awesome. Uh, awful, not awesome. That My God, that was absolutely the wrong word. It was <laughs> awful. It wasn't awesome that he was laying there dying of Freud, lung cancer. Paging Freud. Yes, yes. <laughs> Uh, and so some new doctor comes in and goes, well, you know, Mrs. O'Hare, did he have any other surgeries that we should know about? Well, she wasn't like in her right mind because he certainly didn't mean anything like she revealed. <laughs> so all of a sudden, all the kids are standing there, you know, around the bed. And she goes, well, here goes the O'Hare family secret. And we're like, what the hell? And she goes, he had a vasectomy in 1968. I'm like, oh, my God. Because, you know, Irish Catholic, we were raised, yeah. you know. And you just, you don't, you, you no, know, no, no interfering interference. with that. If something happens, there's a baby. And the then, will of the sperm. Exactly. And then through her <laughs> tears, she's like, I think that any man that will do that for his wife is just the most wonderful man in the world. Because she Aww. goes, every time he looked at me, I got pregnant. You know, which it did seem like that for a while. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, that was the big secret. And then, and to this day, we don't know. But she said, and he went with a friend. Who also had it, but she never did reveal who the friend was. Right. Yeah. We we suspect a certain somebody, but none of us have proof. But it was funny. She thought she had to reveal this to this intern, and it had nothing to do with it. But she was <laughs> upset. Everybody was upset. The man's lying and ill and, you know. But yeah, yeah she had a vasectomy. That was the end of the line for us. Um. So you grew up Irish Catholic. Yeah. What was that? I mean, I know a lot of my friends who grew up Catholic just kind of make passing jokes about all the guilt they grew up with. 
Yeah, it's weird. First of all, and this, uh, people will be shy. I'm still a practicing Catholic. I've certainly gone through my phases of its craziness. It's because there's a lot of craziness about it. I'm very much a cafeteria Catholic, which means I pick and choose. I uh, I believe in gay marriage. I believe in birth control. I believe in you know just basic human rights, mm-hmm. which a lot of that is not there. Uh, so I pick and choose, but I do get something. I go on Sunday and I get something out of the readings. I get something out of the tradition of it. I get something out of the singing. Um, I don't know. Because in many ways, I'm a huge hypocrite because, you know, <laughs> I don't think I'm, you know, the uh, the book to follow if you're a Catholic in my own life. But, um, you know, I try to try to go by the rules as far as just be a good person. Just, you know, and I have a dear friend who runs an atheist organization in L.A. Mm-hmm. That's okay. That's totally okay. But being raised Irish Catholic, yeah, there's definitely the guilt stuff. Just don't do this. You know, you're just raised in the church. And I'm also, and a lot of people are totally against this, I don't give any money to the Catholic church at all because- A lot ever, of people in the church are totally against it? Yeah, well, they're they're not thrilled that I have this opinion. Um, uh, ever since I found out the churches were having to contribute to the priests that were molesting the kids- I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. That that can't be any of my money. Right. What was the deal with that? It's that the priests were kind of given a, a – is it like a payout to leave the church? Well, each parish was given an amount. You need to start ponying up you know, to the Vatican to help pay for all these legal expenses because mm. now we're moving priests elsewhere and all that kind of stuff. And the minute I realized that if there was any chance a nickel – of what I dropped in there every Sunday could go to that. I just can't. I mean, that's I just can't. Which, if everyone had my view, the church would collapse. Which that wouldn't be good either. But I just can't do it. Mm-hmm. I'm good elsewhere. I certainly have lots of charities I'm involved in. Just can't do that anymore. But yet, and, and again, that makes me a hypocrite. I still love the religion. I'm not so thrilled with some of the people involved in this religion, mm-hmm. but I, I still love the religion. What? Um what do you think it is that you get out of it when you go on Sundays? And do you uh, do the confession and, and I have all not that? gone to confession. I'm going to say 25 years because, and again, if there's any priest listening, they're going to go crazy. I've got uh, a huge I, priest I, listenership. I, I, that's my fear was this would be nothing but Catholic priests listening to this show <laughs> as your best friend. Um, I certainly respect priests. Like I have, uh, I absolutely have respect for them. I don't believe in my heart. That they have any um, more direct uh, link to the man upstairs than I do. So my confession is through my own prayers and how I do my own, you know, I pray daily. You know, this, I just don't feel like they're getting it there any quicker. I don't feel I need their absolution. You can butt dial God. I, can, I probably have. <laughs> I have absolutely butt dialed God. No, but I don't feel like how, why do they have the power to make, you know – Literally, you can murder somebody and be forgiven by this man. That I don't get it. Yeah, it, that doesn't work for me. So I do my own stuff. You know. Yeah, the mass is. I don't know. I, I leave there. I feel more at peace. Um, I don't think you have to go to mass to pray. I don't think you have to go to mass. I get something out of it. It's strictly a personal. I'm not doing it to be. Oh, look at that good boy going to mass on Sunday. <laughs> I'm 51 years old. I don't have to do any of that. Uh, but I get something out of it. You know, mm-hmm. a, a peaceful. I don't know, peaceful feeling. That's nice. Yeah, works for me. How was turning 50? 
Hi. It wasn't terrible. Um, but I'm thinking the next one's 60. That kind of sucks. <laughs> so I was pretty good about 50. I had a friend who turned 60. And he said, I'm even okay with this. He goes, but you know, my next big one is 70. I thought, damn, that <laughs> is crazy. How did this happen? Uh, so overall, I, I was pretty good. Um, it's weird. As I've gotten older, I've gotten more work. I've never had so much work. Uh, the grayer I got, I, I have the opposite of a woman in Hollywood. I was allowed to get gray mm-hmm. and be a character and uh, work, you know, as if women don't have that. Um, so no, not it was not terrible. But you know, it could creep up on me. I mean, I didn't do any crazy. I didn't do any crazy purchases. I didn't. I don't think I've had a midlife crisis. <laughs> I don't think because I really I have a job where I get to do crazy fun stuff all the time, mm-hmm. and so I think every day might be my midlife crisis. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. So you did you get your start in theater? Uh, you know, I trained at Second City in Chicago, and then I uh, got with a group of six people, and we formed a comedy group called White Noise. And we strayed away from the improv, and we did more scripted comedy. And I loved it. Still to this day, I love sketch. Were you writing some of it? Writing, performing, building, uh, sets, props. Y- you know, you do everything because you have no other choice. Uh, but when we were... The first time we had some downtime, I don't even remember how it happened, but I got involved in a theater, a show called The Boys Next Door, and I played this mentally handicapped guy obsessed with donuts. I know, it's crazy. And I just remember thinking, wow, this is awesome. As much as I have felt that about sketch comedy, still do, and comedy in general, there was a crying scene, there was a... A girlfriend scene. It was like, wow, this is really different. Nothing I've ever experienced. And that kind of sparked all of a sudden I'm auditioning for all sorts of theater in Chicago. Because I had kind of been afraid. You mm-hmm. know, maybe I'm just a big, wacky, funny guy who can't do anything else. And like they say, and I totally agree, some of your best dramatic actors are comedy people. I mean, we've seen Robin Williams do some amazing stuff. Um, so, I, you know, I, uh, I, it became my world then, you know. Didn't pay the bills, but it became my world. So that's what I did. Mm-hmm. And then I worked in Chicago in the downtown to pay the bills and <laughs> barely paid them and sometimes didn't. And, uh, you know. You worked downtown doing what? I, for some reason, can type super fast, like 112 words a minute. I have wow. been recorded. Now, who knows what this is from? Um, other than I took in sophomore year, I took a typing class. And at the time, I remember she said, do you play piano? And I don't. So I got the big fat fingers. That ain't going to happen. Um, so I became a word processor because it paid more than just waitering. Or so. I think I, at one time I was like $13 an hour, which at mm-hmm. the time I was like, I mean, we were talking lot, yeah. mid-80s. You know, I thought I was rocking. Um, so because of my fingers, I've always been able to have money come in. But, you know, living at it's just... I hope you wrap them when you sleep. Because of my fingers, I've always been able to have money come in. Anyway, ladies. uh, The... uh, No, so... I don't know. Yeah, I, I typed incredibly are you, fast. Are you very accurate at that? I'm speed pretty too? accurate. Wow. Yeah, I'm Impressive. pretty accurate. And now everybody does it. Everyone's, you know, kids. Everyone can type now. But at the time, people were hunting and pecking, and and this was on those machines. This is before computers. This is on those IBM Selectrics or those. You're probably too young like to even word know what processors. that is. Well, no, thank like you. I don't think I am. Regular I feel like I should know. typewriter typewriters, uh-huh. and then the word processing came in, and and then for a brief time, I opened up a company. 
where I sent out um, <laughs> I sent out temps to other places for data processing and. So you was, were like a temp agency yeah, regarding had, data processing? I, I had my own temp agency. This what was, was it called? Uh, stat Data Processing. <laughs> we'll get it done. Stat. Uh, it was a effing nightmare. <laughs> People could, you know, I had a bunch of actors working for me and they'd call in, I can't be there today. And Oh, God. That, and, you know, this is happening at five in the morning and th- these people expect them at 730. Anyway, it was awful. So I, I got out of that pretty quick. But I had a connection through a friend. And so my address was 500 North Michigan Avenue, which in Chicago is like Miracle Mile address. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. So I, I sounded really cool. Like, oh, I got my little business, you know. <laughs> but And also, it was my heart was never into it. Once I started the performance stuff, that's, that's all that mattered, mm-hmm. you know. So how did you and when did you get into TV and movies? Do you do movies as well? Oh, I do so many movies. Um, no, no, that's I watch a lot of movies. That's, yeah, I, I, there's, I knew there's something movies. Uh, you know, I'd love to do more. I've been in some. I've been in uh, Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. Um, that was last year, two years ago, something. Yeah, I've had, you know, smaller parts accepted. I played Jonah Hill's dad. Um Mostly television. That's mm-hmm. sort of my bread and butter. I was doing a um, show in Chicago with my group called Stumpy's Gang. And it was. I've, that is the one where a review says that you were grotesquely sexy? Yeah, something like that. And, and I wondered, how did that feel? Uh, compared to what others had said, I was thrilled. <laughs> okay. One woman, and this is an actual quote, because you know how certain actors, certain quotes, they yes, never leave stay you. in there. And it said, her name was. I believe Mary Shen Barnage and her quote was though Jim O'Hare seems like a nice enough fellow he should be embarrassed to do what he's doing on stage in the privacy of his own home wow I mean it was intense but that brought people in what's her name I think Mary Shen Barnage hey Mary Shen Barnage you know what you can do (laughs) hey hey Go fuck yourself. <laughs> Mary Shen. That's right. Although, nice that it brought people in. It did bring people in. That show became a cult crazy hit. And at one time, and this was just some weird thing, I was doing three shows at once, three different theaters. I would do a, it was an 8 o'clock show, a 10 o'clock show, then I'd run over and do the midnight show of Stumpy's Gang because it had gone from a regular run to a midnight run because that's who you wanted. Those midnight crowds had been drinking. <laughs> and one night I pull up and people... There's a line around the building. I'm thinking, oh, crap, something's happened. Like, who are all these people? Like, what is, you know? And then I saw some of them were wearing this little beanie, which I wore during the show. Uh-huh. And I thought, holy crap, well, that's a cult thing. And it went on for months. And then we said, well, if anything could ever make it in crazy L.A., it could be this. And you brought it out here? We brought it out here. So for people who don't know, what can you explain the plot? The premise of Stumpy's Gang is it takes place in a genetics company. And I play a janitor who is was raised by this Wagnerian mother who raised me on kid shows and uh, opera music. So I'm nuts. And so my job is to kill the genetic mistakes. They're creatures, and I'm supposed to incinerate them. Well, I've kept them, and I've created my own world in the basement. <laughs> and Stumpy is this tiny little creature. And, but you fell in love with him. He became so human to you by the end of the show that when – at the end, I mean, I can give it away now because it hasn't been done in years. At the end, I jump into an incinerator. There was blood, covered in blood top to bottom. There was a big vagina that ends up basically killing everybody, as they will. <laughs> and um, uh, 
I mean, literally, and the puppets got bigger and bigger and bigger as the show went on. And it was about an hour and a half, uh, one act. And by the end of it, I was a mess. I mean, just covered in sweat and blood and puppet parts and, uh, People went crazy for it. And we brought it here to Zephyr Theater in L.A. The plan was six weeks, and we ran from September until February. So it took off. And then that opened up a lot of doors for me. So that was – it was a good thing. Who wrote this? Patrick Cannon. Good buddy. He wrote it. He was the voice of Stumpy. He made the blood happen. The preparation that – people to this day, why don't you guys do put that up again? Put it up again. I don't have the energy. But then again, I do say if we if we did it again and somebody else was, you know, doing all the, like we were doing laundry, we we came out here with nothing, mm-hmm. and we just brought this show out. Um, you know, we were doing everyone's laundry and plus performing and setting blood and puppets and everything. But yeah, his name is Patrick Cannon, and he he's an amazing writer. He's really an amazing writer, and the show was so. I mean, as much as it was super funny, it was so heart-wrenching. And at the end, just uh, it's really an amazing piece of theater. Now I want to see it. I know. And people keep saying it. And I I, I don't know. I mean, I I could do it probably if all I had to do was perform. Mm -hmm. I had no other responsibilities. Because believe me, by the end of a show... I was oh, sure. You're too big for it. I get it. No, no. I swear, please, I'd ask anybody. I'll, I'll vacuum up out of here if you want me to before I leave. I'll, I have none of those issues. It's physically grueling. Grueling. It's, yeah. a, it's basically a one-person show with these puppets and singing, and it goes to video, and there's. It, it's a really amazing show. Did you say that at one time you were doing three different shows at once? At one time. How could you remember everything? It was crazy. Two of, uh, two of them, I was I ended up going into shows as replace. I was doing Stumpies. We went to Midnight. Another show called said, would you do a replacement role? Vampire Lesbians of Sodom. I don't know if you've ever heard of that one. Big hit in New York. Then I went to Chicago. I feel like I, sh- I want to say yes, but I don't know if I have. That's pretty crazy. It's a crazy show. Um, and I was this German... Uh, crazy man who's revealed to be a crossdresser, uh, you know, blah, as they are, yeah. you know, as the Germans are. <laughs> um, and then a show called Lysistrata. So I would literally bounce from one to the other. And you know, you're an actor, that's your job is to learn the lines and, yeah. of course, barely making a nickel on anything. That was that. My dad would go, so explain this to me. You go to work downtown all day, then you do these theaters where you lose money. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of it. Yeah. And that is kind of what it was. But passion is passion. I don't know. Were your parents supportive? Super supportive. Didn't get it. My my mother got it. My dad did not get it. But at every opening night, there he was, you know, when the reviews would come out, showing his friends, you know. But Aww. I know he didn't get it. He was an eight to fiver. Didn't get it being your desire to be an actor? Desire to, how do you want this life that could be absolutely all over the place? You know, he knew a life of go to work. Make an honest living, come home, you got your family, everyone's taken care of. Um, and th- he knew that wasn't going to be the road. What, so, what did your dad do? He was uh, in insulation, industrial insulation. Yeah. so Sexy. Sexy. And, uh, sometimes <laughs> you put on, uh, 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 what was that stuff called? Oh, there was this really cool, oh, Kalo. Kalo insulation would sometimes go on the pipes. <laughs> oh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He put the cable on the pipes. Uh, no, he, by the end, he was more corporate than he was hands-on, but he began hands-on, you know. Uh, but a different world. And my brother's in that world. My brother's a pipe fitter. That's, he ended up going down that path. Um, 
I just couldn't see it because I worked a couple summers in the mill. Mm-hmm. Holy crap. This is hell. <laughs> it's hot as hell. And I'm hauling shit. And it, uh, it was, I knew right then I am way too lazy for this. No, no, no. No, no, no. Do you remember when you realized that you wanted to uh, go, think this was what you wanted to do? Second City. Yeah. I, well, first of all, I, after I went to college, it wasn't. I went to Loyola in Chicago, and it was like, eh, this isn't really working. But what did I, you major in? Well, at the time, business, because I didn't know what the hell I wanted to do. I literally had no idea what I wanted to do. But while I was there, uh, and I got involved in a fraternity, it was a business frat, and had way too much fun. If I had put half as much effort into class <laughs> as I did into starting drinking eleven thirty in the morning, it would have been. I probably would have cured something. Uh, but. I uh, somehow took a, a shift at the radio station. That seemed interesting. And that was really cool. I thought, well, that's pretty cool. So I left there. I went to a broadcasting school. Left there a year later with a demo, a mm-hmm. demo reel. Send it out all over the country. Get rejection from all over the country. Literally just all over. And then the ones who you might. You were trying to get a radio gig? A radio gig, Yeah. Uh, and I'm not a music guy. I mean, I am a music guy, but the music that everybody hates. So I knew it wasn't <laughs> going to be like I'm not going to sit and you know, you know, because <laughs> you know, give me a give me a Manilow record and I'm a happy guy. Pathetic, but true. <laughs> um, yeah. So I was never into the hip, all that stuff. So I, it would be a talk. You know, mm-hmm. it would be some sort of talky thing. So and you'd get every once in a while you'd get a like a little hit from some place in New York or something. They want you to come out and interview. I'm in Illinois. I'm like, oh, damn, how is that going to happen? No yeah. money, blah, blah, blah. But then a little town in Rensselaer, Indiana, called and said, we like your tape. If you want to come down, we'll give you a job. That's nice. Literally like that, which should have been my first warning. <laughs> uh, but it was only like two hours from my house. But were you like, oh, they see the genius of oh, me. Oh, my God. Yeah. These people. They've, I've been recognized. Finally, somebody <laughs> sees what the world has been missing out on. Yeah. I should have saw what was going on. Yeah. They, they hired me for $120 a week. I did... All of their logs, and this is in the day of just a typewriter. There's no computer and moving. You know, this is white out and carbon copies and everything. Basically worked you like a dog for $120 a week. That being said, I had a lot of laughs. I had a great time. The owner was out of his effing mind, (laughs) crazy screaming. Him and the wife would fight. He holes all over the walls. Um, He was nuts. But I was on air every morning. You know, he did the morning shift. I did right after him, so kind of mid-morning. Um, and there was this, this big sign that said, at any time, 12,000 people could be listening. <laughs> wow. But at the time, I thought, wow, 12,000 people could be listening? Dude, oh, this is incredible of the power. So, But I would do pig reports. We would do exchange. People call in, I have a you know, a combine tractor, and if I have two cattle, if somebody, then somebody else will call in. Well, I'll give him, but, but okay, well, let me give you his number. You know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um Totally right wing as far as anything political. They had the different right wing right wing shows that you would pop in and the little clips. Uh, it was so tiny of a town, though, that the prize for if there was a contest, the prize would be a six pack of Pepsi. And these people would drive in and pick it up. And we were in this little weird little world up on this hill. So there's six feet of snow on the ground and they're driving their damn cars for the six pack of Pepsi. Like, well, and then sometimes they get there and the Pepsi's gone oh, because no. that supply of Pepsi is what we drank because <laughs> the damn owner, he did that thing where um, you're not paying for You're swapping out ads 
for product. Oh, right. Ad trade. It's something like that. So he's driving a Cadillac, but of course, there's no money coming in because yeah. he's swapping everything out. So, yeah. But $120 a week, and they, my check in a year only bounced twice. So there nice. you go. Nice. Nice. Good. And then the uh, my apartment was, uh, my parents walked in the first time, and my mom just, you know, she, they're all looking around, and she just... I look over and I see she's starting to cry. And my dad goes, I told you, no, not until we get in the car. I go, what? <laughs> she goes, I can't take it. What did we ever do that you would live like this? Oh. It was awful. But, you know, I'm making $120 a week. Yeah. So I was probably paying 200 for this shithole. And yeah, it was fine. How long did you do it? A year. I was there a year. Then I went to Second City, did the classes there, met the people that I... Ended up forming a group with, you know, called White Noise, and we did that for years. And mm-hmm. then, and we really did, and I don't take a lot of credit for this, give Pat Cannon a lot of credit, Ned Crowley, two of the guys. We really did some things that hadn't been done yet in Chicago. I mean, we had shows where we would run off stage and zip up on a video as cartoon characters, the same people who literally just like, as each character would jump off, they'd pop up on, th- I mean, it, nowadays it's all done, everybody can do everything with all the technology, but at the time it wasn't done. So we did some pretty cool things, some pretty cool things back in Chicago. So when you brought uh, the show out to L.A., is that when you moved here? Yeah, 94. And I remember said to friends, I'll be back. I'm going to go. I'm going to do this show. I've heard this thing about pilot season. <laughs> so my plan is I'll be back for the holidays, and then I'm going to try to go back if I can because the show will be down in November, I'll try to go back for pilot season. Well, the show didn't go down to February, uh, so I was here, and I did pilot season, and I landed one the first season. And it really makes you realize this is – if you're going to do it, you have to be here. The, in Chicago, which is still holds my heart in its hand, and when I landed O'Hare Midway, it's just – it's home. It always will be. But I love L.A., uh, but Chicago is definitely home but you, it's, you can make more of a hobby out of it than a career. I mean, there's so little television and film getting better. They're shooting some stuff there now. But over the years, you know, and you all, and they always bring in the big names from elsewhere. So if they're doing a show, they're not going to bring any A-lister from L.A. There's, there's not, it's not going to happen. Gonna, mm-hmm. The big joke is if you want to work in Chicago, fly to L.A., <laughs> book the job, and then they'll fly you back. You know, I, it's just the nature of the beast. And there's such amazing talent in Chicago that it's not being utilized. But that's been forever. And I don't know that that will ever change. So I knew, though, when I did that pilot, and it was really – as much as the pilot turned out to be a nightmare and people what, were fired and uh, I think it was called Somewhere in America. It was a Jeff Foxworthy pilot. Mm-hmm. And by the end, everybody was fired. I mean, it literally was one of those experiences, but I still left it like, oh, that was awesome. <laughs> Just because I never had, I, I knew nothing of this. I pull up the first day and my name's on a thing. I'm like, Oh, what? I, the whole thing was crazy. <laughs> so by the end, first they fire the wife, and then they fire a kid. Like, oh, my God, everyone's getting fired, but I'm still here. My name's still on there. And then, of course, we all got fired. Um, and then they redid it. Nothing ever happened with it. But uh, I, I, I did realize then this is this is it. And I had also, and again, it doesn't normally happen like this. The same day I got the official word on that pilot, I got word that I had booked a, a film uh, with uh, – Oh, man, um, an amazing film. Wow, I hope I don't get emotional talking about it. It was called Ed with Matt LeBlanc. And it was, um, <laughs> well, there was a monkey. Anyway, <laughs> I'll try to keep it together. Uh, it was, 
quite the film that uh, I had no responsibility for. I was just, I played the sports caster guy, you know, in it, and it was a huge opportunity for me. Um, but I always remember Matt LeBlanc. We're walking out of the screening, and he. Which, by the way, I don't know if you've met Matt. Like, I haven't. But the nicest man in the world. I bet, yeah. Super nice man. Just super nice. And we're walking out, and he goes, I think we got us a winner. <laughs> and I was with friends, and I remember thinking, oh, my God, I know nothing. Because I think right. that was awful. But he's <laughs> Matt LeBlanc from Friends. got his friends. finger on the pulse. So, yeah, so I obviously, I don't have a clue about anything. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, my God, Matt LeBlanc said it's going to be, like, he really thinks we got a winner here. No, Matt. <laughs> a monkey's farting, Matt. It's not going to be a top 10. And you uh, did an episode of Friends as well, right? Years later, one? I did an episode of Friends in their final season. It was so funny because they all have a movie they talk about. So when Matt was introducing me around, he said, Jim was in my movie. You know, like their shit movie that because they all had one that they regretted. <laughs> Uh, but you know what it was at the time friends had just taken off and you know, the producers were like, this dude's hot. Let's his careers on fire. Uh, we'll make a movie. And I think they threw it together. The monkey was not real. It was two little people, a husband and wife. And they took turns. Well, but now I need to see it. No. Oh God. And, and there's like, they're running around bases. Like they built in Santa Clarita, they built a stadium. It was again new to Hollywood. Like holy shit! Like this is was empty land a week ago, and now there's a stadium, and <laughs> they brought in hundreds of extras, and and that's also when I realized because one day I'm walking to my little trailer, and next to me is this little barbed wire, and it was there so that the extras, hundreds of them, couldn't get near us, and they were given a little box lunch of KFC. <laughs> And I thought, oh, that's not good. <laughs> it just broke my heart. So to this day, I try to make sure everyone shares in the in the pot. Um, but yeah, it was an amazing experience. Uh, just a terrible movie, though. Anyway, so these two little people. So what they they came up with a reverse blow dryer, so it blew out cold air, mm-hmm. and it was the animatronic mouth. So the mouth would open. They'd shove the thing in their mouth to cool them down because oh, they're wow. running bases as monkeys. It was ridiculous. But so no live monkey at no all? No live monkey was hurt or used, used. in the making of Ed uh, with Matt LeBlanc. Never, there was never a monkey on set. Wow. No. Yeah. Yeah. But I really did. When he said, I think we got a winner, I just remember getting this flutter like, <gasps> Because he would know. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's in showbiz. <laughs> so funny. At when did you begin to feel like you were in showbiz? It's weird. Even to this day, I don't know. I, You know, it's so weird. Like even words like celebrity and, and, and weird little things. Because sometimes uh, I'm even uncomfortable talking about I, I don't know. I don't know. I, f- I know I am as far as I've been given the opportunity to do some things I only had ever dreamt of. Um, uh, you know, I get recognized an awful lot now, which is lovely because people are always, always amazing. Always. I mean, I've never had an experience that wasn't kind and supportive and all that kind of stuff. Uh, not even one, not even one. I mean, a few tweets, you know, Oh, oh, fuck you fat ass. Okay. Well, there you go. (laughs) Well, you got me, right? You got me. Yeah. You got me. Oh boy. Um, yeah, but in general, I really haven't. I mean, people are incredibly nice. Um, so, but, but yeah, obviously because of Parks, uh, it 
you know, we've been to events where people are screaming for us. And, and at the time, I would always think, well, it's just for Amy. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and then I'd sort of stand aside and then I'd be hearing, Jerry, Jerry. I'm like, Damn, that, those people want me to say something, you know. So, I don't know. It's still weird. It's still weird. Mm-hmm. I, um, I appreciate it. I, um, I love the industry. I've always been obsessed with it, but way before I was ever a part of it. So, you know, but like, like the word celebrity and famous and famous is ridiculous. I know I'm not that, but celebrity, you, you, you know, certainly a D level, but still technically a celebrity because you're on a show that people see every night and now it's in syndication. So it's out there all the time. So if celebrity means you're known, then I guess you just are one. You are overwhelmingly self-effacing no, and it's, humble. Oh, I, it's awful. I, I terrible. I don't like compliments. Or I'm really I'm the worst because <laughs> I don't know what it. Who knows? I don't know. I don't know. It's awful. I need therapy. <laughs> uh, have you never been in therapy? No. Never ever. Never. I'm. Uh, I shouldn't say that. For a brief time, I had a depression issue, and I went so they could give me um, Zoloft. <laughs> um, and so I did have to go for like, I only think I went four or five times, but, um, just for him to monitor mm-hmm. or something like that. But we never, I don't remember us doing any like in-depth analysis or I don't anything. Think, yeah. yeah. I don't did remember Did the Zoloft that. help? Yeah. Yeah, it did. Cause I didn't know what had happened. Always been a good mood guy. Always been a happy camper. Always been, uh, I mean, certainly get down and everything, but sitting on a couch one day and this wave of. Just yuck, awful. Literally, out of nowhere. Watching television, things are good. And I had a huge meeting that afternoon because I had uh, there was a remake of Harvey being done, which is the old film with uh, Jimmy Stewart and mm-hmm. Invisible Rabbit. Well, the producers and director wanted me, but CBS said we don't know who he is. He's done a few. I, by that time, I'd done the pilot. I'd done the like. When was this roughly? Ninety six. I'd done the pilot. I had done the movie. I was starting to get a lot of guest spots, co-star roles. Um, but CBS was like, but, you know, we don't know who he is. So they're going to meet with me and see if I'm worthy. Uh, so the, I would, I'm getting a wave of depression. Imagining oh, that. <laughs> it was the worst. So that afternoon, I went to that meeting. And I really always say that was the greatest acting job of my life because I really didn't know what was happening. So right away, you're thinking something horrible. Call my sister as a nurse. Okay, it's probably your sugar. Go and get blah, 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 blah. Oh, well, so, no. so, okay. This, so the wave hit you before the meeting. Before the meeting. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you pretended the. But I, I through the meeting, through I powered through it because I couldn't call and not go, you know. And then I thought, well, maybe it was the meeting. And after the meeting, I'll be, no, this went on. And then I get the role. They agreed to have me, you know. So now I got to go to Vancouver for five weeks. Um, so that, okay, no, no, no. I got to get some help, you know. Because number one, I want to do a good job and I don't want this to bring me down. I mean, and- how was it affecting you? Were you having trouble? Get, look, were you suicidal? Just a, no, I have to say, ne- it's funny. I always say never suicidal. That being said, I remember saying to somebody, I can't live like this. But never going to the next, but yet by saying I can't live like this, you're saying something. Right. So yes, I don't. I've, yeah, I've, I have, I remember one, at one point feeling like I don't. Like, well, I was actually driving. Like, I would never actually do anything to take my life, but I right. don't know that I would go that far to save it at this point. That's Long probably where I was. That's, yeah, because I'm thinking, I never did the thing like, oh, I'm going to get pills or I'm going to slash my wrist. Right, you didn't have a plan. No, but that being said, I made the statement, well, I can't live like this. This is, you can't live like this because yeah. it's too hard. It's too sad. It's too whatever thing that it was. Um, so, yeah. Were you having trouble, like, getting, like, 
getting out of bed and totally getting out of bed, um, uh, showering, just basic. You know, you just don't want to do stuff. And it was good and bad. You walk in and the guy says, after I talked to him, the therapist, he goes, uh, classic clinical depression. It's not, you know, the old misery loves company. So when he said classic, I'm like, oh, okay. That means we can D. De- I, I, right away, yeah. I was like, okay, I think that must like mean he, we can work this. Like, And he really was like, you'll be fine. You know, it's going to take some time. We're going to have to figure it out, blah, 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 blah. So then you put Jan Zoloff and you have to figure out that number because is enough enough. It's too much, too much. You get jumpy. And what I learned mostly, because also what it led into was horrible panic attacks, which mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about those. I didn't know what that was until I was at an audition once in maybe Westwood. I don't know where the hell, or Santa Monica. And I... I literally didn't know what was happening, but things were shaking and sweat was coming. I didn't know what was happening. I thought, well, here we go. This is the end here. They were dying. I, I will die. And people will say he died loving doing what he loved. He was at an audition. <laughs> Sweating. Oh, he was in the business. He, oh, it's good how he died. Yeah, he's 34, but God, God love him. He's dead. Um, uh, and so he explained that to me. And the thing I've learned, and if anyone's listening to this way has panic attacks, the best thing that helped me was when I finally realized when you know what something is. It takes away all the fear. So literally, as they would happen again, I'd go, oh, I know what that is. Okay. I'll get through this. So that made a big difference. That made a big difference. Um, and I haven't thankfully knocked on something many years since any of so what, those issues. What happened at the audition when the panic attack came on? Did you pass out? No. Um, I thought I was going to because you get totally dizzy. Totally. Right. You get like tunnel vision. Tunnel vision. And. It was all weird, and I was, there was some Batman thing on the wall. I, rem- I, I mean, I, I don't have a great memory, but that memory is, is very vivid to this day. And I remember, thankfully, I was, you know, I had only been out here a couple of years. I didn't know a ton of people, so I didn't know anybody there. So nobody was talking to me or gave a crap. Um, but I remember thinking, okay, this, this is where I'll fall. Like, I remember saying to myself, mm-hmm. okay, you'll go down here, and then they're going to have to go through your wall. I mean, I remember having these things about then they'll go through my wallet, and that's how they'll get my home address. I mean, you, uh, but thinking all of it as it was happening, and yet it probably only lasted a minute. I, I, I don't even know. Did you do the audition? Yes. Hell yeah. Oh my god. I hurt myself on Parks a couple weeks ago. I'm just now off crutches. Uh-huh. I finished that damn scene. I'm sorry. <laughs> you. Follow you're an through. actor. There's a damn job in front of you. You got to do it. Hell yeah. 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 So I did, but it was um, terrifying. And then when I realized that that's something that a lot of people deal with, and there are ways. To get help, I was all about give me the help. Just give me the help. So then I ended up going to Vancouver for the five weeks. Had the time of my life with the caveat of the occasional panic attack that I could get myself through. But unfortunately, sometimes it would happen on set. Mm -hmm. And I don't want anyone to know what's happening. It's hard to hide flop sweat (laughs) because you can't. Um, So I kind of confided to one of the makeup girls, and she was like, oh, my God, my husband deals with this. Don't you worry about it. You know, blah, blah, blah. Anyway. Did that make you feel better? Oh, my God. As I talked to people, I felt better because everyone's got a story. Right. Everybody's got a story. Yeah, and at first I was like embarrassed. I'm not gonna. I'm not on Zoloft. What do you, <laughs> I don't take pills. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, then I was like, I'll tell her, I'm on Zoloft, and I take this, and I have panic attacks. <laughs> and because the more you say it, there's something about the freedom of saying mm-hmm. it like that. that yeah, it, it takes it, the power away. Sort of takes the power away. And then when other people go, Oh my God, I dealt with that. And then I did this, and I did that, and they're better. So that was totally relieving. I loved all that. 
you know. I remember reading an article by someone who was talking about panic attacks and she said she was at a dinner party and she was afraid she was going to have one and she just told the person next to her, I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to have a panic attack. And somehow just by not not being alone in it, right, right. She, she didn't have one. That makes perfect sense. And then for me, what someone told me, because I, I um, have had a few of them, not in a while, thankfully, but um, what this was a therapist who told me this, and I don't know if it's true, but it's always helped me. She said that when you feel one coming on, just concentrate on your breathing because a lot of times what happens is you feel it coming on and you kind of stop breathing or you slow your breathing because you get nervous. And of then course. that just exacerbates the lightheadedness. And so that actually ever since then, um, I, know, I think what it was was I think I was going to be getting my wisdom teeth out and I was nervous about – Having a panic attack in the process of that, right? So you you lured yourself into a panic attack. Yeah, yeah. No, that's so. Yeah. So yeah. now, if I begin to feel that sort of like tingly, lightheaded, I just concentrate on breathing, and that like makes it, whether it's whether it, there's science behind it or not, like it makes yeah. it go away for me. So I've been lucky whatever that way. the hell works. Yeah. But when you had like when you're saying you were driving the one time, I mean, did you have depression or did you just have a bad day? Um, when I had that thought about yeah, that I was um. Well, actually, a friend of mine, I was in mourning at that point. A friend of mine had died and or committed suicide, actually. Yeah. And um, and I was was very upset about that. And I just felt like like this world is not the one that I I, I did not sign up for this world and this world where <laughs> bullshit comes out of nowhere. Yeah. And yeah. I didn't see it coming. And fuck that. And et cetera. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I um, I don't. I don't know whether I'm someone who – I don't know where I am on the mood meter because I like to think I'm like pretty well adjusted and I mean, yes, I go to therapy and I think about everything. But I don't know. In the last in the last year, I'd say, I've, I've spent – I don't know. I had like a good sort of six-month run of just feeling not very happy and, mm-hmm. and I kind of had this realization that like I think what I'm dealing with actually is like just kind of – low-level depression yeah although thankfully it's been it's been better you know for the last six months at this point the math is not adding up anymore right. but yeah i don't know i think that i'm like i don't it's, it's usually in the shower where i have this realization that like i don't jump out of bed happy to face the day <laughs> at all yes. and i want to but i just uh, don't i don't do i don't do that either no I, but also you know the brain is this major thing that we know so little about yeah. and we don't and also chemicals and you know the guy was trying to explain to me at the time and I, you know this chemical shoots out and then you know adrenaline and then this does this and the, so there's so much that is going on um but I tell anybody, if you think you have any issues, get help. It is out there. And for people, I've always been blessed. I've always made enough money to have insurance through the unions. And so I could always go and get what I needed. Um, but there's places out there that you don't have to have a dime. And yeah, they'll yeah, get you what so you many need. Pe- that's what so many people say. I hear that all the time. Is I just can't afford therapy. But you can because there's places. They do sliding scales. They do all sorts. And, and all those doctors, even my guy. At the time, he was like, before he officially put me on Zoloft, he gave me samples. He goes, oh, I get this stuff. He opened a drawer with just boxes and boxes of pills. So they get a lot of freebies because they want, you know, the, the drug companies, companies give, want them the to. drug companies, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and they give those to people who need them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always tell people that you don't have to suffer with that. Certainly not alone. So do, do you have any sense of what it was that, that, that brought on the depression? Well, that's what's weird. I don't. Because, uh, of course, according to this therapist who I saw four or five times, 
Uh, my dad had died in 91. Now, this was 96 when this happened. Um, you know, some leftover stuff. Did you? But I did grieve. Oh, my God. Yeah. Believe me. (laughs) When I get into a crying jag, I'm into a crying jag. Uh, No, I mourned. There's, yeah. No, no, no. I'm good at that. Um, So you were 29 when he died? 30? 29, yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, I, he died young. I mean, he was 56. Mm. So which, you know, I'm 51 now. So, you know. Um, but a smoker all of his life, and you know, and plus he had a combo of lung cancer and uh, mesothelioma from the asbestos oh, from working uh, right. with that Insulation. when he was younger. Yeah, yeah. So it was like a combo of of the whole thing. But yeah, so maybe that was part of it. Maybe the the loss of friends when I moved from Chicago because I literally said I'll be back. Oh my god, I'm not staying. And mm-hmm. to this day, they'll all tell you they knew I was never coming back. <laughs> they literally will say, oh, "We no, we knew." That's why there were so many tears. When right. I left, I'm like, it, it just seemed like there was, I'm like, I'll be back. And, you know, and they all knew better than I did. Who knew? So, yeah, I don't, I, I don't so know because things something. were going great. At, when that hit me. That's the worst. That's the worst. Things were, and here I'm going to meet with CBS. I've already, I've been working, so I got some money in the bank. I mean, it was not a typical actor. Oh, my God, how am I paying rent this month? Oh, my God, everything's hitting me. Mm-hmm. That's what was weird. That's it wasn't the, that. I think that's how often how it works. Because that's what I was going with when I was feeling like, wait, I think this is depression. Yeah. Some time ago, I was like, I don't – I have a steady job. I right. like where I live. I'm in a good relationship. I this, I this, this. I don't understand why I don't feel as happy as I feel like I should. Exactly. And then it becomes these layers upon layers of just not feeling And the more you good. put – the more your brain starts sucking up all that energy about what's going on, what's going on, and that layers onto this. Yeah. Oy. Just yeah. do crack cocaine. That's all. I, that's all. What, it's what you got to do. Do crack. It is not whack. Throw yourself into something outside of yourself. Exactly. You and then a, put it in yourself. Maybe get a reality show where they come and visit you, a bunch of family. <laughs> and they tell exactly. you how, how good things are going for you. <laughs> so tell me about um, Parks and when you got that and what that is, has all been like. Yeah, Parks, um, Parks is crazy. It's... Uh, I'm going to say the grossest thing in the world because it's been said a million times, but I know for a fact a lot of times when it's said it's bullshit, Parks is the greatest place in the world. Um, I don't know if you've interviewed any of the other gang from there. I had Harris Whittles. Harris Whittles. Chelsea Peretti. Chelsea Peretti. Who's now in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. That's right. Fox. And I would love to have everyone else. Yeah. um, It's the most amazing – I've been on a lot of sets over the years. It's the most amazing place I've ever been. And – of course, the cast is amazing, but the crew, like, they're my buddies. They're We're going out for ribs next week. We're on hiatus next week. It, it's just an amazing place. And it's kind of become the place where other actors know that's where you want to guest. <laughs> because you can't walk in the trailer without everyone greeting you. And, and it, it's, so nice. it's really an amazing place. And I, I think it comes across on screen. I think it, it shows. But the way it all happened, you know, I get an audition for the Amy Poehler show. And they wanted me to audition for the role of Ron Swanson, played by... Nick the Offerman. brilliant Nick Offerman. Um, and I thought – my theory has always been every audition is important because you don't know who's in that room. You don't know what they're going to do the next week. You know, Are they going to cast something else? Maybe I'm not right for this episode. So uh, you know, auditions – and I'm actually one of those crazy people. I like auditioning. Uh, most actors – Well, now I just think you're a lunatic. <laughs> exactly. And no. To me, it's performance. And I, yeah. and believe me, oh, I screw it up. Some, I mean, whew, I have stunk up a room a million times, but sometimes I do well, you know. So it's back and forth. 
But there's something about it. I, I, I do enjoy it. So, but, so my theory is always I never know what's going to happen. So do the best you can and see what happens. So I go in for Ron Swanson. They had Nick Offerman in mind from day one, as they should. Uh, but being Hollywood and network, they said, no, 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 we, no, no, we have to see everybody. So they literally saw everybody. If you talk <laughs> to people, everyone and their brother auditioned. I went out for it. You were, yeah, Gary, <laughs> every, everybody has auditioned for uh, Ron Swanson. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I did my take on it, whatever. And then you leave. And my only thought was, damn, that was Greg Daniels in that room who had <laughs> created the office, uh, the American version of the office. So I was super psyched. Like, wow, I met him and we chatted and he talked to me and. Did, and you felt like you did a good job. I knew I I had felt good. I had done what I had planned to do in the room. Never, ever in a million years, and I was right, would, thinking they would give me that role. Number one, I'm not enough of a name. It's going to go against Amy Poehler. Um, I just – it wouldn't happen. And I was right. Uh, but like I think two, two weeks later, we get a call. Would Jim come in and read for this other role? Jerry. Hell yeah. So I go there, and of course I get to the room, and it's everybody and their brother different types. So they don't know who Jerry is. I'm like, oh, that sucks. Because, you know, so it can go a million different ways. There's the skinny guy. There's the fat guy. There's the tall guy. There's the short guy. And that sucks because you – is it because you feel like, oh, you're just there to help them figure out what they want? It's that and – since they don't know, it can go a million ways. Like if they've decided Jerry needs to be, you know, this 280-pound Jim O'Hare type, <laughs> then there's going to be the six guys that I know that I'm up against all the time. We're going to be in that room. Well, this was us and everybody else. I'm like, damn. So the it's odds, a lot of competition. It's a lot of right? competition, which is the nature of being out here. I, I understand that. So I did it, and uh, they let me play around a little bit, which was fun, you know, a little improv stuff. But they were honest. They said, we don't even know who Jerry is. I said, okay. You know, and I do it. So then I leave. And then about a week and a half later, we get the call and my agent calls and she said, well, here's the thing. They want you for Parks and Rec. I said, oh my God, that's awesome. She said, here's the thing. <laughs> the old caveat. Uh, she said, they have six regulars and that's who they have to cater to. They have six episodes. They think it could lead to something. Or it might not lead to anything. So in a way, you're going to have you're going to feel like an extra for those first six episodes. If On the other you, side of the barbed wire with your exactly, KFC, exactly with my little box of KFC, <laughs> looking at those assholes eating off of the catering truck. Um, and I, to me, it was a no brainer. This is Greg Daniels and Mike Sure had been working on the office. Also, I said, look what happened to those background characters. Your Kevin's and your Phyllis's and your Stanleys. These people have become. Iconic because I was obsessed with it. I knew Steve in Chicago, Steve Carell. So I began watching because of him and then immediately became obsessed with the show. So for me, it was a no brainer. I get where they were coming from. Like, you don't want to go on a set and feel like you're because I've done enough work that I don't need to be in. Believe me, there's nothing wrong with background work. God love those people. They work a lot of hours for very little money. Um, But they number one, we're going to pay me guest star money and uh, we'll see what happens. So by the second episode, I had lines and then. At the end of the sixth episode, they said, we need some tags. No one's available. Can you – they called my people. Can Jim come and do some stuff with Amy? They just want to throw some stuff together. And so the two of us went into this forest and just improv some scenes. And supposedly that's the day that the producers were like, okay, he can play our game. That You must have really enjoyed that, right? Oh, my God. Please. But nervous. Amy Poehler. Yeah. I mean, and I had met Amy in Chicago 100 years ago. Yeah, Amy Poehler. Uh, she's so mean. She's up. 
bitch. Oh, my God. If the sex wasn't so good with her, there'd be no reason to have any communication at all. Uh, <laughs> she is like the nicest woman alive. Yeah. Um, and she – we just played and it went well. But still you don't know what's going to happen. Well, then the show gets picked up and they bring me back. And then by the following Christmas, I think I was in Miami. I don't know, guest doing something. And I get a call saying they want to negotiate to have me as a regular. I was like, damn. Did you have the sense that might happen? I sensed it. But I also, (laughs) I know people who have been in this spot before. And I also knew some of the office people. And that took a while for that to happen. It happened to me sooner. Um, But also the office had so many more people involved. Uh, But they gave me my own episode before I was even a regular. Like season two, there was an episode called Park Safety where I had – it was my episode. So I thought, well, they don't hate me because they're (laughs) giving me an episode. So this could mean something. Um, So – but it was just so exciting because – you know, your manager's like, oh, we're going back and forth. And, you know, we're telling them we want. I'm like, just take the damn job. Are you kidding me? Like, Don't play hardball too much. Please. Well, my, the first the pilot I did the first time I ever did him. I remember I was in my agent's office because in those days there was no email to be sending scripts. Everybody went and read scripts. And I remember my agent talking to the business affairs for ABC for that Foxworthy pilot. And she said, uh, yeah, well, you know, Jim here, Second City. Is if I'd run second city. Yeah, he's got this, he's got that, blah, 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 blah. And then she says, oh, really? Well, you call me when you're serious. And she hung up. Wow. And I go, no, no, no. I will do, no, they don't have to pay me. This is, she's like, this is the game. This, And of course, by the time it was all said and done, the numbers went up. It's just the game that these people play. It's so funny to watch that happen because my impulse, as I'm sure it is, Yours and probably everyone like that. That's why there are agency managers. Yes. My impulse, yeah, would be like, um, "Oh, thank you so much for this yeah. pittance. Thank you. <laughs> I was going to pay you. you. I would have paid them. Yeah. I would have called family and friends and said, "I need ten thousand dollars. They're going to put me in this television show." <laughs> no, but I'm not joking. It's pathetic. That is why agents and managers they are willing to take the crap. They're willing to be the bad guy because I'm I'm terrible. willing or enjoy. It depends. I had an agent who her, she said the only enjoyment I get out of this business is the, the negotiation. So wow. and she got out of the business because everything became uh, day player uh, scale plus 10. She's like, there's no – I don't have any fun anymore. <laughs> but I, I'm not a bad guy. I mean I could have my bad days. But I mean I'm – you know, I say yes to everything. Ask anybody. Stuff, some stuff I've done. It's just because a friend needs – whatever. So it is nice when you can go, you know what? You got to call my manager. <laughs> Because she knows my schedule, knowing that she's going to nix that. Yeah. So you let someone else be the bad guy. And actually, a lot of times, there's stuff happening that I don't even know is happening. Like in the last negotiations for parks, if I had known some of the stuff was happening, I would have been, oh, no, 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 no. Just accept that that's all. Everything's fine. Well, it were. They got what we want. So I, it's crazy. It's crazy. I mm-hmm. don't know. But I'm glad I have nothing to do with that. So you, my brain is stuck on this. You said there were six regulars at the beginning. And I'm yes. just trying to figure out who. So it was Amy Poehler, Rashida Nick Jones, Offerman. Nick Rashida. Offerman, Aziz Ansari, Chris Pratt. No, not no. I take that back. Not Chris Pratt. Aubrey. Aubrey Plaza and uh, Paul Schneider. Paul Schneider was the original heartthrob of Parks and Rec. The original. Adam Scott. The original Adam Adam took over for him, and there was a two-episode crossover. Not Mm. too uncomfortable on set those (laughs) days. Uh, It was a little funky uh, because Paul's a great guy. 
it's weird. I feel certain people are certain things. I think of me as TV. I want to do film. I want to do more film. I'm hopefully some stuff coming up. I love television. I feel I belong on television. I feel that's where my bread and butter will always be. Paul Schneider, to me, screams film. He just screams film. I'm the blanking process, out. Oh, look him up. You see, he, I'm sure I know who uh, he Lars is. Lars and the Real Girl. Um, he, he's done a million different things. But he is, you know, on a sitcom, you can be given new material two seconds before you shoot. He's very much, he likes to spend a couple hours with his material. Well, you don't always get that. Oh, yes. 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 I totally know who that guy is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome actor. Amazing actor. But he didn't, um, it's just not his world. Methodical, I think definitely. Or, yeah, I mean, he, he would spend an hour with a couple of lines the night before we shot. That's mm-hmm. amazing. That's film. Yeah, you don't get that in comedy, especially if you, which we're not. We do single cam, but if you did a multi cam, if that audience doesn't laugh at your scene, those writers are writing right there. Mm-hmm. They run up to you. Here's the new stuff. You have thirty seconds to learn. You know, so there's no. You don't get that. You know, in a film, you can do one scene for three days. Well, we don't do that. <laughs> we do, you know, we do 12 scenes a day sometimes, depending on what we're shooting. You know, Do you ever only do one take of something? No, never. No, no. The way Parks works is uh, they have the kind of the feel they give the directors is don't give any notes initially. Let us do a couple of takes just to get on our feet. Get Because especially like for Amy, Amy has so much dialogue sometimes. I don't know how she does it, but damn it, she does it. So you want to give people time to get that in their head. And uh, so like after the third or fourth take, they'll come in maybe with some notes. But after we're done, everyone's happy. Writers are happy. Producers are happy. Directors happy. Actors are happy. We do a fun run. And that's when anything goes. We do it. You know, we begin with the script. But it can go a hundred different directions. But the thing, we get a lot of credit for how brilliant we are at the improv on the show. <laughs> it's mostly written word. The written word like is what so per- strong. What percentage would you say is improv versus written? That you see on the air, 5%. Really? Yes. 95% is written. Yeah. And not that we don't come up with some great stuff, but half of it's filthy. So <laughs> it ain't going to make the air. We'll do a scene that is, you know, 45 seconds and 10 minutes later, we're still doing it. And like we're being ridiculous. And but I also think it's a brilliant mm-hmm. idea to let actors do that because it brought us closer together because we all have an improv background. So we love it. And so it just it, I, I think it really keeps us together. And we laugh and laugh and laugh and, and we make each other laugh, which is great. Chris Pratt, who plays Andy. Dwyer is the funniest man alive who's now on he's going to be this huge A-list movie star he's it's so well deserved you know actors can get super jealous of course of other actors when we all heard that Chris got the role of uh, Captain America or Captain something can't remember the name but you're talking about Zero Dark Dark no 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 the one he just shot in London Um, he's the new Avenger Uh, I can't think of the name oh Chris if you're listening Captain and we got somebody looking it up. Yeah. But anyway, he yeah. gets that. I had like tears in my eyes because he's the nicest man in the world. So you're like, oh, anybody deserves that. Aww. And now he's being courted. Oh, he's playing uh, Star-Lord in Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah. So And he'll be in all the Avenger movies now. And, right, right, right. And he's the new uh, – uh, he's negotiating to be the new uh, Jurassic Park dude. So, I mean, this has been – you know, just – he was booked for six episodes. 
And after six, they loved him. And he's been with us ever since, you know. So, yeah, those were the original six. Those were the six. And then um, at the end of the second year, they brought in Rob Lowe and Adam Scott. And then me and Retta. And that's how we turned out to ten. And now we're back to eight because mm. Rob Lowe left and Rashida left a couple of weeks ago. Oh, I didn't. I knew Rob Lowe left, but I didn't realize Rashida yeah. left. Oh, it was tough. It was awful. It was terrible. It was uh, – we did this big thing for her. Oh, my God. Tears were – you know, because Rob – the joke with Rob is – and it's not even a joke. No one expected him to be there that long. This is Rob Lowe. <laughs> TV, movies, good looking. Blah, 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 Rob Lowe. Never expected it. So it was just a thrill that he was with us for two and a half years. But Rashida, like, I don't know. that She was there from day one. Yeah. And so there was this big thing we did for her goodbye, and it was just people – crying and oh my god it was tough it was tough and it's also the precursor to you know parks is definitely winding down whether it's this season whether it's we get a taste of next season you know that's all up in the air but we've done at the end of the season we'll have done 112 episodes that's a lot of tv Mm -hmm. you know it's a lot of episodes so um you don't know you know who, who knows but it was tough and then you know and i'm terrible with goodbye so i'm like oh i can't even look at her and you know I'm a crier. What can I say? <laughs> so you said you hurt yourself on set. Yes. What happened? I can't reveal too much because oh, it's a big right. part okay. of the scene. But I can tell you, Adam Scott and I were doing something. And when we were doing it, we both heard this pop noise. And he goes, was that your shoe? I, go, I don't think so. And it was my calf. I tore my oh, calf my muscle. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Luckily, it wasn't the Achilles because then I would have been down for the count. Yeah. So we continued what we were doing till they got what they needed. Uh, and it, it's a Jerry-centric episode. So I'm like, damn, I'm getting through this. This, <laughs> this is a Jerry episode. There's no way. So we got through the rest of the day. Uh, by that night, it had swollen and swollen and swollen. But by Monday, I was you know on crutches but back on set and put the crutches down to a scene, go back on and uh, – it's all fine. I'm off the today. Wait, today's yesterday was my first day off the crutches. Mm. Yeah, it turned colors I hadn't seen, and it was <laughs> damn nasty. Yeah, so way better, way Ugh. better. Well, I think it is time to do some just me or everyone. Ah. All right. First one's a little blue. Daniel Muse says, when washing hands using liquid pump soap, do you ever think the dispenser just had an orgasm? No, I've never had that thought. I feel like now I will, though. So no thank you. <laughs> I have never had that yeah. thought. <laughs> Moran says, I can't stand when people scrape the container with a spoon whilst finishing a yogurt. How much yogurt can be left at that point? Um, I don't... I haven't been irritated by it. I feel like I'm not around people eating yogurt that often. I'm never around people yeah. eating yogurt. No. G- you now, Gary, I know that you're a fan of frozen yogurt. Do you scrape the container with a spoon at the bottom? No, not really. You just you Well, just... but it's, I feel like it's a different game for frozen yogurt because usually by the time I get to the bottom, I've probably already given up on it because it's starting to melt. Yeah. But... Oh, you don't want it in liquid form? No, I don't mind it in liquid form, but it's kind of you, a pain you don't in the ass. just tip your head you back and pour it? No, I, would... I will if it's completely liquid, but I'm saying it's it's hard to – like once it's liquid, you're not really scraping. It's, yeah. You're either, yeah, you're either you, drinking you put, it or you're yeah. Yeah, sopping yeah, yeah. it up with in a boat-like motion. True. When's the last time you had just yogurt yogurt? <clears throat> I didn't have a driver's license. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. it's been a minute. It's been a long time. 
All right, Mallory says, I have no problem with weed smokers, but find it obnoxious when people have tattoos of marijuana leaves or 420-related clothing. Hashtag we get it. I don't know if I've ever seen anyone with a tattoo oh, of a pot not, leaf. You're not looking. Oh, it, in these parts? It's around a lot. I, I've been noticing it a lot more lately. And I agree with her. It's just, yeah, really? You need that? Yeah, but I think that about a million tattoos. Uh, yeah. There's a million things you're like, really? That's for life? But in, but in that, general. You, that's for life? Yeah. But in general, I agree with her. I don't get the people who advertise so blatantly that they smoke weed. Like the giant right. Bob Marley thing that goes across your entire back windshield. It's like right. – just te- just stencil pull me over like yeah yeah what, what you, what's the plan bro yeah. like oh yeah we get it yeah yeah i agree with you don p says something with a seemingly innocuous name like back spasm should not be so instantly and painfully debilitating yes i haven't actually had that thought before but now that you say it i totally agree with you totally agree yeah oh my god a back spasm that, that can, brings that you to you your out. knees yeah holy crap yeah it should have a name like back attack. <laughs> yes. Or John, I'm about to die attack. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Orthopedic pain is um, some of the most frightening. It's the worst. I mean, it brings you down to your knees. It lit- like, and especially in them when you have a couple days before it gets better and every movement, yeah. everything is painful. Oh, damn. Jonathan Coulter says, just me or everyone. I don't like texting my parents. I like talking to them. And it's the exact opposite for everyone else. Oh, interesting. Well, you know what, Jonathan? My parents are dead, so I wish I had the opportunity to text him, you son of a bitch. I didn't even bring that up right now. B. Slammon says, when I make snacks I'm dying to eat while watching a movie at home, I begrudgingly refuse to take a bite till the movie starts. I don't have, I don't do that. I mean, you're, you have more self-control than I do. I don't do it. Look at me. Do you think I've ever held off? Hell no. That food's ready. Start eating. Um, Brent Hudson says the correct way to write a number such as 525 is – okay, so he, those are the numerals. And then he says is 525 and then he wrote out the words. But on a check, I write 525. I go back and forth. Well, first of all, I only ever write checks for rent pretty much. Um, but sometimes I put the and in and sometimes I don't. I surprise myself every time. I was taught Brent's way. Yeah, no when and. I was taught – no, and. What he's saying is the – Okay, yeah. Okay. I put and in every time. I was, that is, I was taught that in high school. I can picture the accounting class I took. I, w- and- I can picture the same class where I was taught that and is a decimal. Ah. When you put the word and in, in in written out form, that means decimal point. Oh, interesting. So 525 wow. would actually end up being $50.25. If you were to, I mean, right? I mean, no, I see. Because actually, then I double okay. and because okay, I'll yeah. do like five hundred and five hundred and five and zero zero over a hundred or whatever. Yeah, I even do that weird thing. I do the zero I do over a hundred thing because that's that's what, what they. I even do, do the yeah. no slash yes, one hundred. Yes, and yes. Then I, for some reason, I have it in my head that you really have to make sure to draw the line from the and to that thing because someone could write in exactly. something boy yeah. they have us i tell you we have all How's learned that? the same stuff in, yes in the history of checks how many times has that happened that suddenly you are overdrawn because someone snuck, snuck in. in the word five yeah <laughs> never know. happened never happened all right brent i'm even like i won't if i'm depositing a check I'm nervous to even endorse it till I get to the bank <laughs> right. or the ATM. So much 
check fear I know, but <laughs> drummed into us. Like I've been doing, and this is shocking because I'm more like you, but I've been even taking pictures of the checks and depositing it via picture. Really? I have done that. Yes, I, I have. I have been uh, – this. I feel like this is going to come off as some sort of humble brag, speaking of Harris Whittles. But <laughs> my bank, um, it has to be a small check. You, if it's a check over 500, you can't do it. Uh, I'm B of A. Who are you uh, with? Uh, Citibank. Oh, because I B of A lets I, you do it for. I have done it. I, I haven't been told I couldn't. Huh. Yeah. Maybe I should switch. I would like. I would like to be able to do that. Um, Brent Hudson says, "The no, no, David." That's right, David. <laughs> says being in a library is fertile ground for clowning around because I feel the forbiddenness of laughing magnifies joke potency. Oh yeah, that's the case for any place. Like mass, yeah. Plays who hasn't, yeah. If I start any in, serious place, absolutely funerals. I have, I have had to leave a friend's father's wake, and believe me, I am very reverent, and I have been to. I'm a Catholic, my God, I've been to a thousand wakes over the years. But we started, and I had to walk away from the casket. And now that's horrible. But his dad had a great sense of humor, so I really feel like it would have been considered yeah. okay. But still, I felt terrible. Marcus Engstrom says, I prefer to sleep with just a lone comforter, no sheets or blankets. No, I prefer sheets and blankets and comforter. I want my sheets. Yeah. I like the feel of the sheet between it. Favorite thing, super cool in the room. You're yes. all toasty underneath. You run to the bathroom maybe and you come back and it's still toasty warm and you crawl in there like, damn, that's nice. My favorite thing is when it's all cold and then you have the electric blanket, which I've, I've oh, become a very that. recent electric, well, within the last couple of years, electric blanket convert. It's really nice. I haven't done that. It's all, if the room is cold enough, right. it's really like. Electric blanket is about the greatest thing. Yeah. But should... did, you, did you have one in childhood? I did, but because my parents grew up in Virginia. Oh. But like, for instance, I got to college and all my friends were from uh, from like New York and stuff. And one of them came to visit and had never heard of such a thing. And it mm-hmm. like, uh, which just blows my mind being from the East Coast. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. Electric blanket. Greatest thing ever. I should. It's but like being hugged me, by your bed. But my mom's yeah. going to be petrified that I'm going to leave it on and start a fire. And start a yeah. fire. Right, right, right. But that's good because I'm petrified of it. I'd never leave it on. <laughs> <laughs> but does that even happen a lot? Do people burn down? I know radiator. I, I know if you leave those portable heaters, you can certainly burn your house down. Right. But I don't know about like because don't There's they turn off? Of don't they have ga- like turn off they gadgets? They do now or? for sure. Now it's after like four hours they'll just turn off. They just turn off. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. It's a better better safe than sorry. Um, I have I have something like this though. Can I bring up yes, one please. of my oh, own? Of course, please, please, please. I will not will not walk on or drive a car onto any handicapped space acknowledgement. I won't step on the blue square. Uh, please, lunacy. I won't step on the blue square. I won't my car will never touch the uh-huh. blue square. I can't do it. I can't do it. To me, I'm saying, Lord, cripple me. Right. Yes. You feel like you're tempting fate. Tempting fate. Exactly. Are there other things like that? My dad, (laughs) this is just stupid, never split a pole. If you're walking with somebody and say there's a pole in between you, like even a light post, Walk on, figure out which side and both of you walk on the same side. Otherwise, you've just decided that relationship isn't important enough. How funny. Yeah. Now, where he got there from, I have no idea. But you know the shit that stays with you yeah. from you're a kid. Right. Yeah. Just crazy. Yeah. I remember my dad. My They both smoked, both my parents growing up. 
And I remember him, and now when I think about it, it's so ridiculous. My mom got out of the car once, and we had some little mini mall or whatever, and four kids in the back seat, and, you know, no car seats. This was, you know, 66, 67. And, um, and she took her cigarette, and she put it out and it hit the ground. And my dad goes, that's a classy woman who won't walk in the store with a cigarette. <laughs> now, she just looked like hell, <laughs> taking that last so big sucking draw off that cigarette, hits the ground, does the stamp, and the... Uh- now that's a classy woman. Uh, I mean, and he meant it like with all of his heart. He loved so her to death. I mean, he just literally loved her. But that's that's, a classy woman. that's like in other words, hey guys, that's what you look for. <laughs> this is a classy woman. Yeah, that was dad. That's so funny. <laughs> I'm thinking of all the times I've split poles now. I've been dooming my relationships. Dooming you. You don't stand a chance. It can't. No. A relationship cannot survive splitting the pole. Or even like. A planter or just all, all no, sorts of no. things. No, something oh, that's that okay. can be moved, Oh, fine. But um, you know when you're at the airport and you're crossing the street and they got those cement? Yeah, the stanchion things. The, whatever those are, you have to go through the same one. Otherwise, you're saying terrible vacation. No one's going to talk to each other. We're setting ourselves up for trouble. Right. Yeah. Turning man, over a new leaf now. And this is the man who knew a classy woman. So <laughs> well, he, he knows what he's talking about. He knows what he's talking about. <laughs> well, Jim, thank you so much for being on my show. This I really, awesome. really enjoyed talking to you. Um, so everyone can follow you on Twitter at, yes, at Jim, Jim O'Hare. O'Hare. Yeah. On and Facebook and I don't know what else. I think that's all I do. They can watch you on Parks and Recreation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I have another. I had, there's Right now there's a movie on Ion called My Santa. That just came out last week, but they're rerunning it a whole bunch of times until uh, Christmas. And then on Lifetime called Nonstop, that came out the other day. That'll be there for a while. And then I think December 29th, I have a film called Wrong Woman coming out on Lifetime. All right. I believe. These could all be dates I'm wrong about. Could even be wrong titles, but I don't think so. Well, it's just a general vibe. Just a general vibe. Follow me. (laughs) I'll be promoting it. And if you'll know what the hell I'm talking about. All right. Uh, And you can follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen. You can follow Gary at G. Patrick Smith. You can follow the show's Twitter feed at A-R-I-Y-N-B-F. And we have a ringtone available. Hey, 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 go fuck yourself. You need this. It makes your phone a more pleasant device. You can set your texts. To it, you can wake up to it. You can be in Target and have it go off, and then have have the clerk say to you, like, because this happened to someone, the like was extraneous in that sense. It happened to someone, oh, I love that show, and then the person tweeted me and told me about it. I love that. <laughs> I love that people are identifying themselves as listeners of the show via that ringtones. So you can get that by just searching "Hey, go fuck yourself" on your iPhone in the iTunes Store. Um, and if you're going to buy something on Amazon, which you are, because they have everything, especially this time of year. You need to buy stuff. Uh, click through the banner on my website at allisonrosen.com. It doesn't cost you anything extra, but it does help out the show. Okay. Thank you again, Jim. Thank you. This was really, awesome. Really enjoyed talking to you. Me um, too. And thank you guys so much for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen Show?
Watch your favorite shows anytime, anywhere with Hulu Plus on your TV or on the go with your smartphone or tablet. Shows like Family Guy, Once Upon a Time, New Girl, Scandal, and more. Right now, you can try Hulu Plus free for two weeks when you go to HuluPlus.com forward slash Allison. That's HuluPlus.com forward slash Allison.